Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope that the message that you are about to hear not only encourages you, but helps you follow Jesus like never before. If you feel blessed by this teaching, I wanna challenge you to do two things. First of all, share this with someone that you know needs to hear this. And second of all, I want you to consider giving back to the ministry so that other people that just like you could also grow in their relationship with Christ. To do so, simply go to cfmiami.org give, and there you can follow the instructions, all right? Thank you so much. We hope that you enjoy this teaching. Amen, amen. How many of you believe that today? Even our God is for us. Who can be against us, amen? I love, love, love that song. Uh, such a powerful worship song. And what I love about that song, that's exactly what we're going to learn about in today's uh, message from God's Word. And so we want to welcome you to Christ Fellowship. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to say thank you so much for being a part of our worship experience today. My name is Carlos, and I serve as the executive pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And here at one of our campuses, like West Kendall, uh, Doral, our uh, Redland campus, uh, Coral Gables downtown. If you're watching us online, we want to say thank you so much uh, for joining us. Can we give it up for all the first-time guests? Yep. Well, we have been going through this series the entire summer on the book of Romans chapter 8. How many of you have been enjoying it? It's been really, really good, very powerful, and everything is going to culminate next weekend. We wrap up uh, this series, but we're going to go into verses 31 to 34. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin in verse 31. Uh, you can open them up to Romans chapter 8, verse 31, and we're going to go all the way to 34 in a moment. But I'm going to start us off by reading this verse. It's actually what we just sang now. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a loud shout of praise. Amen. Well, church family, you can have a seat now at all of our campuses. And what a powerful time of worship. You know, now that school is back on, I feel like a summer is officially over. And so I know parents, some of you are depressed that your children are no longer at home all day. Many of you are excited and it's the most wonderful time of the year. Come on, parents, make some noise. Yeah. But throughout this summer, uh, Shawnee and I, we watched many movies. We love movies. And one of the movies that we watched was the movie Top Gun. How many of you have watched that movie? Yeah. If you have not watched the movie Top Gun, let me tell you, it is one of the most greatest movies ever. Ever. It's that good. And I was going to use it as a sermon illustration, but I don't want to spoil it for you, okay? But just watch that movie and watch it in the movie theaters if you can. But you know what? As I was watching the movie Top Gun, I was reminded that I love war movies. I like movies that have to do with the American military and going out to the battlefield. And I thought about this movie, Saving Private Ryan. Many of us have watched that movie before. And there's an epic, powerful scene towards the end of the movie where the platoon of American soldiers, they are advancing against the enemy. And all of a sudden, there's an overwhelming detachment of Nazi tanks, Nazi soldiers, and Nazi half-tracks that are making their way against these American soldiers. And little by little, they begin to die to the point that they're about to be decimated by the enemy. And all hope is lost. And you can see 
that the Sergeant John Miller was greatly wounded and there was a lot of fear in that place. But as this is happening, all of a sudden, there are these American plane fighters that come from the sky. And at first, the American soldiers thought that these plane fighters, they were against the American soldiers, but they were actually for the American soldiers. And these plane fighters begin to bomb the Nazi tanks. And at the moment when they realize that these are actually P-51s and they are for the platoon of American soldiers, at that moment, everything completely changes for these soldiers. All of a sudden, they go from feeling fear and anxiety to feeling courage. They go from feeling anxiousness and worry to feeling confidence. They go from feeling dread to now feeling hopeful. In fact, there's a powerful scene where Sergeant John Miller, he looks at the P-51s and he says, those are angels on our shoulders. Angels on our shoulders. With that in mind, take a look at this video clip. What a powerful scene and what a powerful force to be for you. See, the moment that these soldiers, they realize that these plane fighters were not against them, but rather for them, it completely changed their mindset. It completely changed their attitude, the way they saw life, their perspective completely of life. Now, let me bring all of that over to our teaching for today, because don't miss the point in all of this. Because what an image of our relationship with God. And by that I mean, just like those plane fighters, they were for those American soldiers, the platoon of American soldiers, just like that, in a much greater way, whenever you feel afraid in life, whenever you feel hopeless in life, perhaps you feel discouraged in life, perhaps you feel anxious and worried and overwhelmed in life, God wants you to know that he is for you, that he brings all of his aid, the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to help you in your time of need. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. Now you might be thinking, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you, and, and, and I get you, and I, and I understand, but but you don't know my situation. You have no idea what's happening in my home. You have no idea what's happening in my marriage. You have no idea what's happening with my physical health. I'm going through a chronic illness. You have no idea what's happening with my children. What do you mean that God is for me? Because it doesn't feel like God is for me. So how is it that God truly is for me? Well, we're going to find out today as we go uh, through this passage in Romans chapter 8, verses 31, all the way to 34. And so we love uh, to take notes here. And so I want to encourage you to take out your Christ Fellowship app and take out your listening guide. And I want you to write this down as your first point, because I really want you to understand this today. God is for you. Amen. God is for you. That's the first point for today. I want to go back to that passage in Romans chapter 8, and I want to read it again. Because look at what the Apostle Paul, he's writing this letter uh, to the church in the city of Rome. And he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, he's asking a question 
uh, to these believers, to his audience, the church in the city of Rome. And he's saying, how do we respond to these things? Now, what, what, what is he meaning about these things? And so I want to give us a quick recap just to set up the teaching for today. But last weekend, uh, Pastor Omar brought an amazing message. If you did not listen to it, go online and watch the message. But I want to give us a quick recap. And one of the things that he unfolded uh, from the verses prior to verse 31 is this thing about the golden chain of your salvation. And it's these five fundamental truths that God wants you to know about your salvation. The first one is that he foreknew you, that before he created the heavens and the earth, before uh, he created Adam and Eve, before the Bible was written, before the story of Moses and Daniel and David and Elijah, before Jesus Christ came on this earth, God foreknew you. In other words, he knew who you were and he chose to love you. Then he predestined you. You've been chosen to be saved and to have an everlasting relationship with the God of this universe, then he called you. This is the moment that uh, you came to know the Lord, whether that happened a week ago or a year ago or 20 years ago. That was the moment that you were called, that you responded to the gospel. Then you were justified. In other words, you have been made righteous. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, therefore Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin so that through him, we may have the righteousness of God, and we've been justified, we've been made right, and then we've been glorified, and this is going to happen in the future, where we're going to have our glorified bodies, it's going to be perfect, no more anxiety, no more mourning, no more sickness, no more a sin, no more evil. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, now that you know uh, the golden chain, right, foreknew you, predestined, called, justified, and glorified, how... Do you respond? And so when you see those things, as a child of God, your response should be of one of worship. God, you've been so good to me. God, I am so thankful. I humble myself to your will. You should be in awe of God's goodness, his mercy, his grace, his compassion that he has chosen you. Because if your response is one of being indifferent, or maybe that, that, that's, that's not a big deal, uh, it, it doesn't matter much to me, then you really got to question where you are in your relationship with Jesus. You really have to question your spiritual life and your, even your, your salvation if that does not get you excited. And so Paul is saying, listen, how do you respond to these things and then he goes into probably the most powerful verse found in Romans 8, 31. And thank God that Pastor Omar told me to preach it on, to put me to preach it on this verse. And so verse 31, then if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, when you read the statement, if, we think it's conditional, right? If God is for you, things are going to be good. But if he's not for you, things aren't going to be good. If your child gets good grades, they will, they will uh, get the principal honor roll, and they're going to do well. They're going to get a, probably a scholarship. But if he doesn't get good grades, they're, they're not going to get an honor roll this year. If you're married and your husband, if, if, if your husband cuts the grass and helps, if, 
helps you out at home and puts the kids to sleep, date night is gonna turn out really well for him. If Dolphin fans, if Tua and the new wide receiver Tyreek Hill, if they have good chemistry and good connection, then the Dolphins are gonna win a lot of games. So it sounds conditional, but we've told you many times that the New Testament was first written in Greek and then translated into other languages. And in the Greek, that statement, if, it's not conditional, but rather it is a fulfilled condition, not a possibility. Meaning what? Meaning, in other words, the right translation should not be if God is for us, but rather the right translation should be since God is for us. Oh, two people heard that. Let me say that again. The right translation should be not if God is for us, but rather since God is for us, because God is for us. It is an absolute truth. It's not subjective. It's not a maybe. It's not an option. God is always for us. How many of you believe that today at all of our campuses? I'm preaching to somebody today. But you know, this verse is a verse that is really well known. And you know, we see it in coffee mugs and we may see it all over social media, in, in a, a painting, in you know, a drawing. And, and, and it sounds amazing. It sounds very powerful. But let's be honest. If we were to be real, can we be real? Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is for me. Sometimes it doesn't feel like God is for us. If God is for me, why did that person get the promotion that I so deserve? I have been coming to church. I serve God faithfully. I give back with my tithe and my offering. I am faithful to the Lord. I am a Christian committed to the things of God. I've been working hard for that promotion. I've been in that company for many years. And that person who does not follow Jesus, who is lazy and doesn't deserve the promotion, got the promotion that I deserve. How is God for me then, Carlos? If God is for me, why did my husband or my wife cheat on me? Why did my marriage fall apart? Why, are my why is it my husband and I, we're never on the same page. We're always fighting. We're always arguing. We never can get along. If God is for me, why is that happening at home? If God is for me, why are my children not following the things of God? Carlos, if you only knew, I took them to church all the time. I taught them the gospel. We read the Bible every single day. We came to church together. I did the best that I can, and they're rebellious, and they've walked out on their faith of Jesus. How is God for me? If God is for me, why am I going through this chronic illness? We have probably have felt that way before and questioned if God truly is for us. And if that is you today, you're not alone. In fact, when you read the Bible in the Old Testament, men and women of God who, men that wrote the Bible felt that way. Job, a man of God, in Job chapter one, he was faithful, he was coming to church every single weekend, he was serving the Lord, he had a skip to himself, I mean, he was excited, enthusiastic about the gospel, he was serving, he was giving, he was all about God. Job chapter 1, look what the Bible says in Job chapter 13, verse 24. This is Job speaking to God, why do you hide your face and count me as your enemy? 
This is Job. He's saying, listen, I feel you are so against me. You're not for me. It's, a, it's the other spectrum. You are, I feel like I'm your enemy. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, that prophesied so many times in the Old Testament when Jerusalem was being attacked by the Babylonians, that was their enemy. The Babylonians, they were destroying Jerusalem, the city. They were destroying the temple. They were destroying uh, the entire city. Jeremiah says this in Lamentations 2.5, the Lord has become like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. This is a man of God, a man who was after the things of God, and he felt like God was an enemy. And sometimes it feels that way. But here's what I want you to realize, and here's what I want you to understand today. Even if you feel like God is not for you, Despite your feelings and despite your circumstances, God is for you. God is for you. Write that down as the next point. Despite your feelings and despite your circumstances. Despite that boss who is against you. Because look at the verse. Look at what that verse says in, in that passage. If God is for us, who can be against us? Say it with me, against Say it like you mean it, against. In other words, it's saying there's going to be some people or things that are going to be against you. Paul is not saying that a bad boss is not going to be against you. Paul is not saying an ex-spouse is not going to be against you. Paul is not saying your physical health may, feel, may not feel that is against you. Paul is not saying an, a friend may come against you. He's not saying that. What he is saying is because since God is for you, whatever comes against you cannot defeat you because God is greater than whatever opposition or obstacle that you face in life because he is with you and he is for you and he is greater than whatever you face. That's what the apostle Paul is saying. He's not saying you're going to have a trouble-free life, but he's saying God is greater. My wife, Shawnee, and I, we, uh, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary, and Kimberly, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a huge blessing to be married to Shawnee, and that's a picture of us when we got married, and she's incredible and, and amazing, and we were talking about life when we went out to dinner. We were celebrating, and we're just encouraging each other and affirming our, our marriage, and we were saying, man, so many things have happened in, in 10 years. I mean, we were alone and now we have three children Noah Nathan and Everly and you know we started talking about our children and one of the things about it's a blessing to be a parent uh, but we were talking about bedtime when it when when it's bedtime with our with with children because you would think as your children get older that bedtime gets easier someone said no right and someone really wise, I think they were at the West Kendall campus, they told me, uh, Carlos, when you have children, uh, you're never, ever going to sleep the same again. Whether they're one years old or 11 or 41, you're, you're never going to sleep the same again. And so when they were little, you're like, okay, they're going to wake up a couple times, but when they get older, they're going to sleep throughout the night. But what happens is when they're little, you put them to sleep. We would put Everly and Nathan and Noah when they were a newborn by like 7.30. They would wake up one or two times, but that was it. That was good. And we had our, our nights off. But now that they're older, he's nine and, and, and seven, they don't want to go to sleep. 
They want to stay watching video games and, and hanging out. And, and so we have a routine that we always read the Bible. We pray and read the Bible, and then we go to sleep. And so recently, a couple weeks ago, I was at home. It was about 10 o'clock at night. The kids were sleeping. All of a sudden, Nathan wakes up screaming, ah, starts screaming. And I'm in the living room watching a sports center. I'm like, the enemy is a liar. Oh, my gosh. What do you want now? <laughs> and so he's screaming at me. And it's like, Papi, Papi, I had a bad dream. I'm scared. I had a nightmare. I'm scared. And I'm like, all right, let me pray for you. I prayed for him. You're going to be fine. No, there's monsters and monsters. Going to be fine. Go, go with the Lord. Uh, if God is for you, who can be against you? I was preaching the gospel to him, declaring scripture to him. He wasn't having it. He wasn't having it. So we go to his room, and a minute later, he falls asleep. Bah, a minute later, less than a minute. I get out of the room. I close the door. Ah! I'm like, oh, gosh. So I go back. You know, parents, you, could, you know what I mean? So I go back. This, I noticed that he fell asleep like a minute later, but this time I waited about 20 minutes uh, or like 10 minutes. And so I walk out, and he was fine. It made me realize what changed the moment I went to his room. It was still dark. I didn't turn on the light. It wasn't noon. It wasn't sunlight outside. It was still 10.30 at night. It was pitch dark. What changed? In his mind, maybe he was still afraid. Perhaps he still had thoughts in his little mind that a monster was going to come out of the closet or a monster was going to grab his, his leg or something from, from underneath the bed. Nothing changed. What changed was that I was there with him and I was for him. And no matter what came his way, no matter what caused anxiety, no matter what caused stress, no matter what he was afraid, he knew that daddy was greater than whatever he was about to face. Oh, can I remind you today at all of our campuses, when you face things in life, you got to remember God is greater than whatever opposition comes your way. How many of you believe that today? Give Jesus a loud shout of praise. It's greater than what you face. That's why the apostle Paul says, listen, Paul is about to die for the gospel. But he says, what shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And so then he gives us a couple things in the next verses of how God is for you. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the next point that I want you to write down. God is for you by forgiving you forgiving you of all your sins. Look at verse 32. We're going to just continue on with this passage. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline that word graciously give. Like I mentioned before, the New Testament was first written in Greek and then translated into other languages. And that word graciously give in the New Testament, in the Greek, is the word harismo. Harismo. And it actually means to forgive. And it means to be generous in forgiving. To forgive freely. Here's what I love. The God of Scripture, the God of the Bible, the God who created the heavens and the earth, 
He's not a God who is stingy with his forgiveness. He's not looking down on us. And the Bible does say that we should confess, confess our sins to God and he will forgive us of our sins. But he's not looking down on us and saying, oh, oh, well, you, you really messed up bad. I don't know if I'm going to forgive that one. Like, like they, they say in Spanish, metite la pata. You know, it's like, uh, that was bad. That was a bad one, Carlos. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm going to forgive you. Have you ever met someone that has a hard time forgiving? And I'm not saying uh, traumatic things and things that are very, can, can, uh, put a scar in your life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying about uh, petty stuff. You know, have you met someone that, oh, if you don't invite them to their birthday, uh, they get mad at you and they're not going to forgive you. If you don't like, put a heart on their picture on social media uh, of something, they get mad at you, they don't forgive you. Have you met someone like that? Uh, yeah, if you haven't, maybe you're the person, you know? I'm going to be honest. I can't lie. I'm going to just be honest. Maybe you're the person. And, 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 and you're like, oh, you, you know, you do something, you, you make a comment, or you do something, you, you offend them, and then you're like, I'm so sorry, I didn't really mean that, and, and please forgive me, please, 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 please forgive me, and they have a hard time forgiving you. That's not how God is. You don't have to beg God, God, please, please forgive me. No, no, he graciously, generously forgives you from your past, present, and future sins. In fact... When Jesus Christ was on the cross and he was taking all of our sins from this world and he was going through intensive, extreme affliction and pain and suffering and trial and he can barely utter a word because he can barely breathe and he was about to die. And Luke chapter 23, verse 34, what is the statement that Jesus says? Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Whenever you doubt if God is for you, here's what you have to do, child of God. You look at that cross and you look at the message of salvation. You say, no, wait a minute. He has forgiven me. And because he has forgiven me, he is for me. We all want people to be for us. We want a coach to be for us. We want a leader to be for us. We want our boss to be for us. We want a spouse to be for us. We want our children, our parents to be for us. The God of this universe, he is for you by forgiving you. In fact, every single morning, this will change, radically transform the way that you live life. And I want you to put that slide, put the slide of God is for, put a blank if they can put that slide there. I want you to think about this. As you think about this verse, write God is for, and put your name on that blank. It will change the way that you live. God is for Amber. God is for Amanda. God is for Francisco. God is for Michael. God is for Frank. God is for Ray. God is for Denise. God is for Andy, Tony. It will change the way that you live. And he is for you by forgiving you from your past, present, and future sins. Here's the next point that I want you to write down. B and C. He is for you by affirming you. He affirms your identity. You're a child of God. No matter what you do, you're still his son. You're still his daughter. Affirmation is a big, big deal. 
One of the ways that you can strengthen any relationship in life is by affirming them. When my wife and I, we went on this dinner for our 10-year anniversary, we took a moment to affirm each other, just say things that we like and we enjoy about each other. We just started saying things, different things, whatever came to our mind. Affirmation, God is for you by affirming you. And here's the next point. He is for you by defending you. He is for you by defending. Look what that verse says, verse 33. Now we're going to verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Now that statement, bring any charge, uh, that statement in the Greek, really, it is, a, it is legal language. In other words, the picture that they're trying to depict in this passage, in this verse, is really an image of someone being charged for a crime and being accused of committing a crime. And so it's a courtroom and someone accusing you of, of that crime. And when it comes to accusing, people can accuse you, right? Uh, there could be a, a, an ex-friend or a boss that accuse you of things. But really when it's talking about, in this verse, it's really referring uh, to the devil. The enemy, the Bible says that he is the father of lies. In fact, the word uh, diablos, it means slanderer. So he wants to slander who you are and he wants to accuse you. And in the Bible, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, look what the Bible says. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. So the enemy is going to try to accuse you and say, really, really, hey, listen, you're not really a child of God. You're not a true Christian. You're not really a follower of Jesus. And here's how the enemy works. You see, before we sin, the devil, he tempts us. Before we sin, the devil tempts us. And he will downplay the temptation. Oh, it's not that big deal. Everyone is doing it. Oh, it's not that big deal. If you go out with that person from the opposite sex and your spouse doesn't know about it and you just have coffee, it, it, it's very innocent. You're just showing her the love of Christ. You're being a good coworker. Everybody does that at work. It's not that big deal. It's not that big of a deal if you go there. It's not that big of a deal if you watch that. It's not that big of a deal if you do those type of things. That's part of our culture. I mean, we live in Miami. You know, it's the swag. It's the city. Everybody's doing it. See, the enemy, before we sin, he tempts us. After we fall into sin, he taunts us. He taunts us. When we fall into sin, he say, see, told you. I told you you're not who people think you are. I told you you will always struggle with that addiction. I told you you will always struggle with that sin. I told you you're not really a true Christian. I told you you're not really a true man of God. I told you you're not a good husband. I told you you're not a good wife. I told you you're not a good father. I told you you're not a good mother. And he begins to taunt you. But this is where God in his love, Jesus Christ says, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Hey, listen, that's my son. That's my daughter. Yes, they make mistakes. Yes, at times they fail. Yes, they have shortcomings. Yes, there are things they shouldn't do at times. But here's what I want you to know. No matter what they do, they will always be my son. They will always be my daughter. They will always be my child because it is God who justifies us. You got to care more about God's declaration over your life 
than the devil's accusation of your life. You got to care more about God's declaration of your life than the enemy, the devil's accusation of your life. You know, just recently, we had a $20 bill in my room uh, that was actually torn into a couple pieces because my boys were playing with it and they ripped it apart. And so I had been there for some time in, in, in the basket of the $20 bill. And Shawnee was about to throw it away. She was about to get the $20 bill. She was about to throw it away. And I go, no, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 no. I was a bank teller while I went to college. And I know banks will accept uh, mutilated uh, currency if it has over 50% of that bill. And obviously, it's real authentic. Don't be showing up with Monopoly money. But, you know, they'll accept the bill. And so I told Shawnee, no, 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 wait a minute. So I got the $20 bill. And it was like a jigsaw puzzle. But I was doing surgery on that $20 bill. I'm like, let me put tape. Let me sew it together. Bah, putting it together. I mean, listen, every, every dollar counts. I have three children, all right? So every dollar counts. Like Pastor Al says, pray for your boy. So I was there, you know, putting it together. Bah, bah. I went to the bank. I gave them a $20 bill. They're like, do you, do you want another $20 bill? I go, no, I don't want another one. Deposit that into my bank account because I don't want my children to break another $20 bill. No, just I don't carry much cash. I keep it in, keep it in the bank. So I put it in the bank. And I started thinking to myself, you know, that $20 bill, any $20 bill, no matter the condition of the bill, it's still $20. You can crumble it up right? You can uh, step on it, right? Step on the $20 bill. You can write on it, make some marks. You can even tear it apart a little bit. No one can say, oh, Car Carlos, that, that, that's not a $20 bill. It, it doesn't matter the condition and how many uh, wallets has been from one person to another and how much dirt and how dirty it is and how many marks, the $20 bill is still a $20 bill. And I came to remind you that even with your marks, even with your scars, even with your shortcomings, even with the things that you've done, because you're a child of God, no matter what has happened in your life, when the enemy tries to accuse you, you are still his son, you are still his daughter, you have been justified, you have been predestined, you have been called, you are holy, you are righteous, you are a royal priesthood. How many of you believe that today? It doesn't matter what has happened in the past. It doesn't matter what people say about you. What matters is what God says about you, and that is how God is for you. Amen? God is for you. And here's the last point that I want you to write that down today. God is for you by praying for you. Look at that passage, verse 34. This is so powerful. Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was also raised, who is at the right hand of God. Now, let's stop it there because I want to give us a little bit of a theological nugget right here. When the Bible says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, the right hand of God, that seat is the seat of exaltation. What that means is that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was complete. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, after he had pure, provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand 
of the majesty in heaven. In the Old Testament, when the priest would bring a sacrifice to God and he would go into the Holy of Holies to present the sacrifice to, so God to forgive them from their sins, no priest ever sat down after the sacrifice. In fact, there wasn't even a seat for the priest to sit down. So the fact that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God, it means that his sacrifice was the ultimate sacrifice and all the sacrifices of the Old Testament were pointing to Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, we can find redemption and an everlasting life. Isn't that amazing? But here's what I love too. Here's what I love about this verse. Oh, this is so, I, this is, I love this. Who is seated at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Think about this for a moment. Jesus Christ, his sacrifice was complete. It was done. God was pleased with his son, the Bible says. He doesn't just, okay, I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to go into earth. I'm going to leave my celestial throne, take off my holy robes, and I'm going to come down into this earth, live a perfect life, uh, teach a couple teachings, and then die on the cross, and then resurrect from the grave, and then I'm going to appear to the women and to the 12 disciples and to 500 people, and then I'm going to give them the great commission, which is go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's it. And now I'm in heaven with God the Father seated at his right hand. And I'm done. Because oftentimes when we think of the gospel, we think of that. We think that Jesus Christ died. He was buried and resurrected for, from, from the grave. And that's done. But his work is not complete. Because the Bible says that he is for you by praying for you. He's not just seated there. He is actively praying for you. If you've ever gone through a very difficult season in life, the moment that someone tells you, listen, I want to pray for you, and they take a moment and pray for you, what happens? At that moment, you feel peace. At that moment, you feel joy. At that moment, you feel God's love. Because there's something powerful when someone prays for you much more the king of kings. You know, growing up, when I was a child, there, there were times that I would wake up earlier than I needed to wake up. And it was about six in the morning. And I would remember seeing my mother on her knees, right on the bed, with her Bible open, praying for me. I would go to the bathroom, use the bathroom, and I, could, I can whisper. I still have a vivid image in my mind. I can whisper, my mom, whispering prayers. God, I pray for Carlos. God, I pray for Anna, my sister. God, I pray for Josh, my brother. God, I pray for my husband. And I can hear her whisper prayers. When I would hear her whisper prayers, I was a little boy, but I, it, it felt good. It brought comfort to my heart. It brought peace to my heart. It brought joy to my heart. When someone prays for you, it's very powerful. And here's what I want every single one of us to remember today. That the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the First and the Last, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Resurrection and Life, the Way, the Truth and Life, 
the gates, the good shepherd is not just seated in his throne saying it is done, but he is praying for your cancer. He is praying for your children who are being rebellious. He is praying for your finances. He is praying for your marriage. He is praying for your husband. He is praying for your wife. And because he is praying for you, no matter what you go against, there is a God who is for you and is interceding for your life. How many of you believe that today? Come on and give Jesus a shout of praise. Amen. That is the God that we serve. So here's what I want us to do. At all of our campuses, I want you to lift, stand up right now, and I want us to declare this song. But I don't want you to just sing lowly. I want you to sing with everything you have. I want you to de declare this. I want you to sing it loud. If you feel comfortable, lift up your hands. If you feel comfortable, just sing with everything you have. Come on, let's sing it. In the same spirit of worship, I'm going to invite you to uh, bow your head and close your eyes. Maybe you're here today for the first time, or maybe you've been coming for many weeks, and as I preach this message, you're like, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you, and I get you, but God is not for me because I've never started a relationship with God. My friend, I will have good news for you. The Word of God says in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son, that who shall ever believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And today you have an opportunity to make a decision to follow Christ. None of us are perfect. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, we are imperfect people who follow a perfect Savior. And today, you have an opportunity, my friend, with no one looking, every head bowed and every eyes closed in this room, and if you're watching us online, you have an opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus right now. There where you are, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to call you out. But I do want to pray for you, and I want to see who you are, who I'm praying for. So as everyone has their head bowed and their eyes closed with no one looking in this room, maybe you're like, Pastor Carlos, today I commit my life to Jesus. Right at this moment, lift up your hand as high as you can with no one looking in this room. God bless you, ma'am, in the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, young man. God bless you. God bless you. Even if you did not lift up your hand, there where you are, you can put your hand down. If you're making a decision to follow Christ, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, 
but rather the condition of your heart and God wants your heart he wants it all you can repeat the same exact words that I say or you can pray something similar father God I just come before you and I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of saving Jesus I believe that you died you were buried and you were raised from the grave for my sins Jesus today I repent I turn away from my old life and I run to you today be my Lord be my Savior be my best friend be my everything I love you Jesus write my name in the book of life it's in your holy and precious name that I pray amen and amen if you're excited for those that said that prayer why don't we give it up to them amen if you made a decision to follow Christ make sure you go to our next steps area we have a Bible that we want to give you we want to welcome you into God's family next weekend we finish this series on Romans chapter 8 and we're gonna be talking about nothing can separate us from the love of Christ and so I'm actually gonna be preaching next weekend as well so I would love for you to join us and so I love you guys at all of our campuses God bless you have a great day take care have a good one God bless you